0: When I was a young man, there was one thing that I wanted above and beyond anything else, and that was to play in the National Football League. And I'll be honest, guys, I was pretty talented there on the recess field. You know, I was usually like top five, you know, in the draft. I uh, studied a lot of football, watched the Broncos, you know, nearly every Sunday, watched the greats, as I call them. And I even made it to the Super Bowl like six years in a row, my Madden 2007 franchise. But it turns out that Madden, uh, which if you don't know what Madden is, that's a video game uh, that simulates being an NFL player, Uh, that was the closest I would ever come uh, to the NFL. But I was still pretty good in my franchise. I completed all the off-season training drills that uh, increased the attributes of my created player. I had the playbook down like the back of my hand so that when I was playing another person, I didn't even have to look at the screen. I could just click the buttons, and I knew which play I'd be picking. That way I could make sure they didn't look at my finger, you know, because it only displays like three plays at a time. so They couldn't, they couldn't get their defense ready. And uh, I got to believe that the digital fans there in the stands uh, were probably just annoyed by the Denver Broncos once again reigning supreme, winning the big game until one afternoon, one fateful afternoon, when that ominous dialogue box popped on the screen. You know the one. It says, do not shut down right now. We're saving this really important franchise. Don't do anything. But I wasn't thinking. and I was crouching forward already, and my finger was outstretched. And I hit the button, and the system went... And so did my franchise. (laughs) Fifteen-year-old Kevin was devastated. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Where you, you put your effort in, you work towards something, just to see it crumble in front of you? Maybe the effort that you put in just wasn't enough. It felt like one step forward, two steps backwards. Or maybe the reality of what you tried to produce just didn't live up to your expectation after all of your work. In January, you resolved to, to quit eating sugar and hit the gym three times a week. But now it's February, and Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and chocolate is everywhere. And that three times a week went to two times a week, and to one time a week, and to just I don't want to get up right now. I'm tired, you know? Maybe you felt it uh, in your retirement. Maybe it's your 401K. Maybe you invested money into uh, some shares that you thought were going to produce, were going to work well, but then some international events happened, and the market took a turn that you didn't expect. You felt it in your bank account. Maybe it's just the effort you put into having a clean household. You're there every day doing the laundry and doing the dishes, and then the weekend comes, and you you actually get ahead of the game. You're, You're mopping floors that haven't been mopped in God knows how long. Then it's after dinner, and your husband's putting away the leftovers, and he bumps the container of the sweet potato fries, and they flip down, topside down, and the crumbs go... You just can't get ahead. It's frustrating, isn't it? When you put in the hard work and expect things to turn out a certain way, and then they just don't. I think we're conditioned, perhaps, by our modern world to expect, like it does in so many other places, for our inputs to equal the output. For what we get out of something to be equivalent to what we put into it. But that's not always the way it goes. Sometimes something unexpected happens. I wonder, too, if we haven't felt the same sort of dissatisfaction in our spiritual lives. I wonder if our walk with Jesus has felt like one step forward, two steps backwards, like we're stuck, spiritually speaking. And it seems like our efforts either aren't enough or, or they just don't produce the spiritual life that we thought they would. Now maybe we feel far away from God. Maybe we haven't been as dedicated to His Word as we oftentimes said we would be. Our reading has gone from three times a week to two times a week. I'm just so tired. Maybe we feel like a bad Christian. Like there are things in our life that we have tried again and again to overcome. We know they're not good for us. Then we come to the confession time with that same old sin. Confess it once again. Maybe you're here and you're new to Christianity, and you're wondering what it's going to be like, and you're hearing that we have to kind of work really hard to shape up and fix ourselves, get rid of all these problems in our life and you're thinking, ah, that sounds like a lot of work and then you look around the room and you say, wait a minute though, here's a bunch of people who've been doing it longer than me and they don't seem all that restful either. They seem like they're still huffing and puffing at this thing. Do I really want to get into this? This doesn't look much like life. What if we had it wrong? What if spiritual growth didn't work like a computer, where the inputs automatically produce outputs? What if it was more subtle than that and more beautiful? What if the problem was less about how much effort we are putting in and instead had to do with understanding how God actually works? Because as we've seen in this series, God works a little bit differently. If we bring into all of our ideas of how we grow out there into this space, we might have a really hard time with Christianity. Because God's kingdom is different. God doesn't give us a mechanical metaphor in our Scripture reading today. He gives us an organic one and one that shows up all over the Scriptures, this organic, natural growth that the Scriptures describe. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In John 15, Jesus likens Himself to a vine and says that we're all the branches connected to Him, growing from Him. In Matthew chapter 7, a a healthy Christian looks like a healthy tree, that's bearing healthy fruit. The question is, where are they rooted? But I think the most famous example of this natural metaphor is what we heard today in Matthew chapter 13, uh, the parable of the sower. In this parable, God likens the, the way to experience true life in His kingdom, to be alive in Christ, as we say, to a seed, falling on good soil. The seed is the Word of God, uh, which is scattered abundantly, uh, super abundantly, actually. Uh, This is like the worst farmer ever. (laughs) The seed is landing on the path, it's over in that thorny patch. I mean, this farmer is all over the place, but that's a different sermon. The soil in the text is the heart's of the hearers. Some hear and understand and they bear fruit, but for others the word just bounces off. No life change, no transformation. So which soil are you? Understand that this is a snapshot, though, okay, this is a snapshot picture of It could be a Christian's life, or it could be a room of Christians. It could be this room today. We're getting a snapshot, a picture of of a spectrum of soils. But this isn't an election conversation. I mean the doctrine of election, not political. Matthew isn't saying, you are one of these soils, and that's just it. And hopefully you're not that hard soil, because that's bad. No, 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 no. The soil of our hearts shifts and moves in our life. It's affected by experiences, circumstances, conversations, time spent here. So, our our soil shifts and moves, Um, but where's your heart today? Because one of the points of this parable is if your heart's not in the right spot, God's Word is not going to penetrate. We'll take a look at the soils. Consider where you're at. The first soil is is the seed that fell on the path. This was the one who heard the word but didn't understand it. They heard it, but it didn't have an effect on it. it didn't have an effect on the soil. Maybe they didn't consider the word. Maybe they didn't think about it. Maybe they didn't reflect on what this word meant for them in their life today. Maybe they were just in a daze <laughs> and too sleepy from the night before. Or maybe their mind was somewhere else when the Word was spoken. Maybe they're thinking about what to grab at the grocery store or thinking about the Super Bowl. Why did the pastor keep bringing up the Super Bowl on the sermon when it's Super Bowl Sunday? Super Bowl. First, Soil didn't hear. Or rather, they heard, but they didn't understand. Maybe that's on me. The second soil was a seed that landed on the rocky ground. Uh, Not much soil. See, the first soil was a hard heart. It's a hard heart that didn't let the Word in. The second soil, though, lets the Word in, but it's a shallow heart. There's no depth. Faith is very emotional, right? The, The person heard the Word, and they received it with great joy, the text says. Oh, forgiveness of sins, new life. This sounds great, salvation. I want some of that, yeah. But they didn't stick it in for the long haul. When, when, when they heard a hard word from Jesus, they turned away. Uh, Christianity wasn't what they thought it was cracked up to be. They thought that Christianity was about making them feel good. They didn't want to feel bad or maybe they thought that Christianity was going to make their life just really smooth. Everything was going to work out and so they hung around for a little bit, but that wasn't the case. Things were still hard. Because things like forgiveness are hard. Things like repentance are hard. And so they left. It, it turns out that that they weren't looking for a savior, they weren't looking for a lord In Jesus, they were looking for a butler, and Jesus didn't give them what they want. He didn't serve it up right, and that was okay for them. They just cut bait, you know? They left. They didn't bother themselves too much about it. The Word didn't dictate how they were going to live, and so they stopped listening. Maybe they hung around just because the church added to their social life. It gave them kind of a network of people to hang out with, but the Word wasn't going to tell them how to live. You'll notice that these first two groups, there really isn't a whole lot of difficulty in this Christian thing, right? It doesn't change them, it doesn't move them. It's not hard on them because they just reject it. They let the word bounce off, or they hear it and they liked it, but when it got hard, forget it. So it's really not too much of a, of a challenge to their life. They're just kind of back to the same old. But they also never experience. The transformation. They never experience the life change. Things are just the way they've always been. And maybe the question is, do I want my life to be the way it's always been? They don't see that life change that comes by the Word, the the one that gets deep in you and, and starts to make you wiser. It starts to, to change your view of the world and your view of people, the thing that makes you radically generous and able to stand certain people <laughs> instead of just leaving them. But for those who reject it, they don't go deeper. And maybe their relationships don't bud and sprout either. See, as a Christian, you'll start to find your relationships taking on deeper meaning and significance. You're invested in them. You care about them. I think sometimes in the world people notice that their friends are changing and they're shuffling around and they don't really know why. Maybe it has to do with them, not me. There's no deepening. But maybe you're an spiritual frustrations, maybe they're really encapsulated by the third group of people. Uh, this was the seed that fell among the thorns. And, and the difference here is that these folks stick around. These folks are here today. They don't stop following. They continue to come and they continue to hear. But they're frustrated in their Christian walk. There's a lot of tension and confusion in their Christian life. Things don't go kind of the way they expect, and they don't experience that Christian growth. And what Scripture tells us is you don't have a hard heart, you don't have a a shallow heart, but you've got a divided heart there's something else going on that's, that's stealing your attention, right? Your faith is important to you. Jesus is important to you, absolutely, no doubt. But the problem is something else is, and it's crept up. It's, it's choking out the gospel. It's just as important to you as the gospel. And these things that creep up on us, they're not bad things. They don't have to be anyway. just end up taking priority in our lives. They end up taking precedence over God and His Word. Have you felt that tension, that frustration? What is it in your life that is seeking to take ownership, to take your attention away? What's getting in between you spending that time with God? you overworked? Are you overcommitted? Maybe it's a person that takes up your thoughts, right? Those, those little quiet times we get in between all the activities run to and from, right? When you're, when you're by yourself and you're in your own mind, it might not happen often for you, but when it does, that is a great place to catch what might be a God for us, right? The thought is the temple of your mind. And we might not think of those things as gods, but that's what they are. They're, they are rival gods. They want to steal your attention. Especially if it's the kind of thing that tells you if you have me, then your life will be good. What do you find yourself thinking about, dreaming about? Telling yourself if I had that, then life would be great. Is it advancement in your career? Is it uh, the perfect family? I mean, these are things that are, are good, but if we give them too much attention, they become gods. They choke out the Word. They get in between us and Jesus. What gives you peace in your life? I mean, maybe, maybe this thing in your head is, is simply just the next show you want to watch on Netflix. Maybe that's all it is. Is that what gives you peace in your life? is that getting in the way of you spending time with God? Is it getting in the way of God transforming your life? Are you satisfied with your walk with God? Because, my friends, there is a better way. And here's the good news is it's not a bunch of work. Is it costly? Yeah, you bet it is. It hurts to spray the weed killer in our lives and to remove those things that we have put on a pedestal back to the place where they belong. That hurts. That might feel like death for you as you go through it. But it's a better way. What you receive in return will blow away the supposed cost that you spend, it's transformational. Think of the seed. It goes into the dry earth and it recreates it. It makes it new. It's budding and flowering. And look, it's not just affecting you, it's it's transforming those around you. A hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. That is super abundant growth. That is not earthly, that's supernatural. The seed, it's not a boulder think about the metaphor. It's a seed. It's not a boulder. The boulder comes in, and it it breaks up the earth, and it changes it, right? But that's external. That's superficial change to the earth. Christianity is not just getting everything externally to look good. It's not shaping up so that I fit into the perfect Christian mold. No, Christianity is a seed. The Word is a seed. The gospel is a seed that goes in you, and it changes you from the inside out. And it transforms you, not superficially like the boulder. It recreates you. And that takes time. I mean, come on, if you keep plants, right, in your home, how often are you watering those plants? Probably more than me, because I kill all my plants. <laughs> not a ton. But when you pour the water on, you don't expect the thing just to butt up that second. It's slow. It's gradual. It takes time. But think about this. An army of employees, an army of workers, or just a literal army, they can go out and they can change part of the world. Sure. Put your heart to it. Get down. Grind it out. You can change things. A seed, an acorn, just step on that. Crush it. It's nothing. Unless it gets in and it goes down deep. And it grows and it sprouts and it drops other acorns and those grow and they sprout. You realize that one acorn has the power to change the face of the earth? That's the power of the gospel. So how do we access it? Well, remember what the seed is. It's the Word. It's the Word of God. Did you notice the problem with those first three soils? The Word didn't get down deep enough, right? We had that hard heart, and then a shallow heart, and then a choked heart. But that seed needed to get down deeper and deeper until it hit the good soil. you got to work the Word in to your life for it to take root and transform you. you got to think about it you got to read it. you got to hear it. you got to listen to it. You can't let it bounce off. you You got to ponder, what does this mean for me today in my life? Your spiritual change and formation is not going to happen in one night when you have a big desperate player and you say, God, please change me, oh God. Melt my heart. Make me new. That's a good prayer. But it's not going to transform you in one night. you got to give it time, a lifetime of prayers, today's prayer, today's Word, let it go deeper and deeper and deeper in you until something maybe unexpected happens. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. When that Word of God has gotten deep into you and it just just exploded one day and you saw the world differently, and you saw people differently. Maybe you saw yourself differently. Maybe, maybe God's Word had you by the neck even. But it had a power to it, a power you had never seen. Did not our hearts burn within us, they said, when they encountered Jesus? See, maybe we've been thinking that getting closer to God is what reading the Bible and going to church and praying is all about. But maybe the reality is that it's not us getting closer to God, but us seeing how close God always was. Always. Our whole life He was there. We just couldn't see it until the Word opened our eyes. So how do we do that practically? You already heard Pastor Aaron at the beginning of the service. The Word is sitting out there on a table for you. Take it with you. Uh, come back if you're going to be around for Lent. We're going to be uh, watching Matthew. We're going to see it. We're going to hear it. We're going to read it. We're going to journal about it. We're going to press that Word deeper and deeper in. But it's not just uh, a reading the Bible. There's lots of spiritual disciplines. We actually covered them in a sermon series this last summer. I'm going to put um, uh, that sermon series. Uh, Pastor Aaron actually formed it into an e-book I'm going to put that ebook in the email tomorrow. If you don't get Monday morning emails, talk to me. Get this ebook. Take a look at the disciplines. There's music, there's silence, meditation. Maybe what you need is other people in your life who can speak to you the word. Get in a group, fellowship. We got a ton of groups that meet every single week. There's a board about them in the back. Find ways to get that word deeper and deeper and deeper. Can you imagine how different not only this community, but that community might be if we let the Word get in and do its work? We've been trying to hack away at this Christian life as if we were miners, beating our our axe at, at, at this work and feeling just exhausted. We're worn down. We're beat down, aren't we? We've been trying to tear out the thorns and remove the boulders from our own hearts, But that is not your job. You are the soil. He's the gardener. You notice the thorns and the rocks in your life. You see them there. But it's not your job to get them out. He's the one. And so you need to go to him today. Pray to him today. Hear the word. That is your job. Go to the gardener and say to him, Lord, I've got these thorns. And I've got these rocks in my life, and I need you to pull them out. And listen, I will hear your word. I'll think about it. I'll reflect on it. I'll, I'll let it come into me so I can see my life change. I'll obey it, Lord. But you've got to take care of the thorns and the rocks. I can't do it. And you know what he's going to say to you? He's going to say, Of course. I've been waiting for you. You know, I'll I'll take care of the thorns I already did. Remember, they they took those thorns and they put them into my head. And I'll take care of your rocks. I mean, they they buried me under one for you. That's what I'm here for. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Amen. I ask you to rise at this time as we confess our faith in the